welcome back everyone to Once Upon a Phrase. I'm your host Jason. And your other host Lisa. And before we get started, quick reminder, um, if you're on the social medias, go on over to Instagram and follow us at Once Upon a Phrase. And don't forget after you listen to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on our new content. Now that we've got that stuff out of the way, uh, let's get started with today's episode where we're going to focus on cannibals. So I will say this, this was probably one of the more interesting themes we've done. To give you a quick look behind the scenes, what Lisa and I do is we try to give every episode a theme, and then we start thinking of phrases that we know that relate to that theme. For in this case, it was animals. And, you know, so we went through and we created a list of a bunch of, you know, animal phrases that we know off the top of our head. And then we even get some sent to us, you know, people that text us and message us, you know, where's this come from or do this phrase next, um, which is always fun. So uh, on that note, by the way, if you have any phrase like that, feel free to reach out to us via text if you have our numbers. Um, if you don't have our numbers, it's because we don't know you. <laughs> so uh, that's where Instagram comes in. Um, and, you know, we'll try to make it part of it. But when, I off track. Um, what I was saying is when we created the, the episode list for this, there is an unbelievable amount of phrases that have animals in them. It was, I mean, it was unheard of. I mean, Lisa, how big is the list? I mean, it takes up at least half a page. So listeners. If you like this episode, you'll definitely see a part two and more than likely a part three. Oh, definitely going to be a part three at some point. And we, I mean, 20 plus phrases easy. I'm just looking at it now. This one was, I think, a lot of fun to kind of sort through because the past ones, you know, we had a good amount to work with. But this one, there was such a variety to choose from. I kind of wanted to choose so many more. I was like, okay, I have to limit it to only these two for this week. These are rich man problems. We've got too much good stuff. <laughs> um, I, I will say this one. You know, sometimes when we create these, uh, the phrases that get used, um, some people have heard of them, some people have not. Um, I would say almost everything on this list, the animal list, are very, very relatable. That oh, I would, I would venture that everybody's heard of all of these. I would agree this week. Yes. Okay. So on that note, uh, kick us off, Lisa. What is our first? animal related saying so our first once upon a phrase is monkey see monkey do have you heard of this one before absolutely so as a parent and a teacher my life is all monkey see monkey do i would definitely agree with you on that so for all of our listeners monkey see monkey do is doing something through imitation without regards to the consequences like i said as a teacher and a parent i deal a lot with kids they, they do almost everything without understanding the consequences. Yeah, definitely story of our lives. So one of the origin stories for this phrase come from the, a folklore tale from Mali about a hat salesman who falls asleep um, under the stump of a tree. And when he awakes from his nap, he notices that all of his hats are missing. And he looks up in the tree and there's a monkey at the top of the tree in possession of all of his hats. I had a nickel for every time a monkey stole my hat. Would you be rich? No, I would have no no <laughs> nickels at all. But. That's what I thought. So this salesman, just like any of us, was very upset. 
So he stands up and he starts to gesture to the monkey how upset he is. When you say gesture, is there any, is there any documentation on what gesture? I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm just picturing this old man giving the monkey the finger. Uh, I think you can leave it up to your imagination. I think I'm going the route of more of like a tantrum by a toddler stomping their feet and flailing their arms. But I think definitely either one, if not both, could definitely be happening. Okay, now that you said that, I've got the picture of the angry man throwing a tantrum in my head. I'm glad I was able to give you a visual there. So we have the hat salesman throwing a fit, right? And what does the monkey do? The monkey imitates everything the hat salesman does, which, of course, only makes him more upset. Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so. So similar versions of this same tale exist in Egypt, the Sudan, India, Jamaica, and England. So so on that note, you know what this kind of reminds me of? What? I'm thinking of, like, you know, Egyptian or Roman mythology. When okay. You, when you see their stories and then you see similar versions of their stories kind of come from everywhere, even uh, Hercules, you know, from Greek mythology, there was uh, a version before that. The Egyptians had a god by a similar name, like Heracles something i'm sure i'm messing that up um that actually predates hercules so you know this folklore like just giving me greek myth vibes where we're seeing different versions of it in different places i definitely agree i feel the same way so there's also an english version of the same tale that came out in 1940 called caps for sale it's always an english version we've got to americanize everything so while this shows have been printed in the early 1900s it does go back to 18th century Jamaica. Okay, so yeah, so this is kind of what I'm talking about. You know, there's the origin, and then you see it evolve over time, you know. Okay. So in Jamaica, it was used as a way for, um, it was used as a pigeon language. Okay, so hold on, I'm going to stop you right there. For our listeners that aren't linguists, what the hell is pigeon language? Because I'm just thinking about two birds talking to each other. Definitely not the case here. So a pidgin language was words or phrases that were used for different groups of people who didn't share a common language to communicate ideas and things with each other. Okay, now I'm almost positive. It's, I'm oversimplifying this, but I'm just thinking of like Spanglish. You have somebody who speaks English and somebody who speaks Spanish. They're trying to talk to each other and you end up with words and conversations half in both or very simple enough that both sides can understand. That's pretty much what it was. It was a simplified way of communicating ideas to one another while you didn't have the same words to express those thoughts. I think animals especially, we see, especially monkeys, we see all over every continent. So, you know, that actually makes sense. because I mean, there are some animals that are, they're only here or they're only there. You know, but I think there's monkeys everywhere, you know. So, it, monkeys being the crux of this phrase, understand that if you're, you know, from Africa, from South America, you're from, you know, Asia, you know, there's, there's monkeys everywhere. And you said, was it Jamaica? Mm-hmm. So that even makes more sense because we know that when the Europeans came over, they first got to the Caribbeans. And at that time period, you probably had a lot of Europeans, you know, Spanish, Portuguese, French, don't speak the language, and they're trying to communicate with the people that are there. 
I'm, I'm probably going way deeper into this than I probably should, but all right, the puzzle pieces are coming together for me. So then I was curious, because, okay, so all these stories date back to monkeys imitating humans, right? So I found that there was research that was done that shows that monkeys, just like humans, have what's called mirror neurons. So the mirror neurons are neurons that are activated when they see someone else doing something. Like a monkey or themselves, it activates a neuron to imitate or repeat that action. Okay, so this is, again... I'm just, I keep going back to the mythology point of it because the, you know, the ones most people know are Greek myths. And those were created to explain the unexplainable. They don't know why it rains. They don't know why you know, the sun doesn't, or the sun sets. You know, so they, they invent these myths to explain that. My guess would be that for as advanced as some of these civilizations were, they did not know about mirror neurons. So they come up with stories or folklores or myths that kind of explain why they would see a monkey act like this. Right, and I definitely feel like that probably led to research being done to kind of figure out if there was any scientific reason why these things were occurring. But definitely I feel like they started with the folklore tale kind of explaining the monkey behavior the best way they could. Yeah, because they, they, they couldn't, you know. Right. Okay. Wow, that, that, went, that was a lot more in-depth than I thought it was going to be <laughs> for monkey see, monkey do. Same when I started is that was like, there's no way this, this goes into this much depth, but I, definitely much more to it than I thought there would be. I honestly thought it was as simple as like when you go to the zoo and you look through the glass, the monkey will imitate what you do. That's it. That's where I thought that was about. Well, I'm glad I was able to teach you something. <laughs> yes. So Jason, what do you got for us? All right. So our second once upon a phrase is don't have a cow. Um, I don't think I've ever said this to you, Lisa, but have you heard this before? I have heard it before, for sure. Okay. Um, for our listeners that don't know, uh, don't have a cow means to not freak out or not stress about something. You've told me to do that several times. Well, I'm not <laughs> stupid enough even <laughs> to talk to my wife and talk about a cow in the same sentence. Smart so, man. You like to sleep in the bed. Yes. So I tell you not to stress, but I would never tell you to not have a cow. But for our listeners that are, you know, want to say in around my age but you could be older you could be younger I think you would have heard this phrase you know regardless of age because it was popularized by one of the greatest TV shows of all time and I say that not as an opinion but as fact but Lisa can't help us out here she's never seen this show I've totally seen this show maybe not a full episode from start to end or maybe not a full season, but I've seen bits and pieces and parts. Don't forget that the song that shows up every time my birthday hits. This is true. So, um, to, you know, uncloud the mystery, Don't Have a Cow, made popular by the TV show The Simpsons. Um, I even sang it. I hear Bart Simpson's voice in my head while I'm <laughs> talking about this right now. It's like, Don't have a cow, man. So, you know, it made, it was, the phrase was made wildly popular in the 90s because of The Simpsons. But used before that, um, if you've ever seen 80s movies, it was in a ton of 80s movies. It was po very popular. It was just, you know, verbal slang in the 60s and 70s. So the actual phrase has been around for quite a bit. Um, and it's always meant the same thing. You know, not freak out or not stress about something. 
but it is an evolved version of a British phrase that goes or something along the lines of don't have kittens. That one sounds different. I don't it doesn't kind of have the same ring to it. So I think it's because the meaning is different as well. Okay. Um the don't have kittens is more about like not getting yourself all worked up. Um not maybe not stress wise, but um it was it was about pain more or less. Uh the idea behind it is that, you know, a long time ago they you know, pregnant women they would have this pain in their belly. Okay. I don't know what that feels like because through your whole pregnancy, I felt fine. Oh, you just joined me in the, the gaining the 15 pounds of pregnancy weight, right? Well, it was sympathy weight, and I did that for you, by <laughs> the way. So, uh, you're welcome. Thank you, I guess, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so with this stomach pain, um, it, it was said that, you know, you're feeling this pain. It felt like a, a cat was trying to claw and get out of your belly. And then there were stories that, witch put a curse on you and cats in your stomach instead of a baby that's so that's so strange oh, i mean it, but definitely it, oh it gets even stranger um in the 1600s there was reports of people requesting an abortion because they had cats in their belly they were that convinced that the witch had put curses on them and there was cats growing yes. inside okay so when they would say you know don't have kittens they meant like you know don't do something that's going to hurt you like calm down don't do something that, that you cannot do. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's it's similar, if not the same exact thing. But after a while, we do what we do best in this country, and we Americanize it. Um, and we, you know, the phrase sort of changes to don't have a cow um, as a meaning to not stress out or freak out about something. My, you know, my best guess would be this is probably showing the importance of the cow in America. There's a lot of farms and things like that, especially, right. especially around this time. And the birthing of a cow or a calf is extremely stressful, not only on the cow itself. How many cows have you, how many calves have you birthed? Uh, personally, none. Okay. But I'm just wondering how you know how painful it is, but you know, hey. Well, I can assume <laughs> No, but so a lot of farms, you know, they're very dependent on the cow, not just, you know, for the milk, but for the babies. It needs to make other cows. It needs to make, you know, other steers and, you know, things like that. So when they say don't have a cow, they don't want you to stress out. They don't want you to freak um, because it's, it's pointless, you know, to calm down. You know, don't have a cow. Don't put yourself in that situation. And it's, you know, it, all it takes is something being catchy enough, you know, for it to really grab a hold of society. For all the 80s movies we were seeing, you know, it was popular in the 60s as well. But I don't know that it would have lasted this long if it wasn't for Bart Simpson. It just feels like when there is a cultural sensation that is using that whatever phrase or words we're talking about. Yeah, it repopularizes something that may have been popular in the 60s and 70s. And now when you hear it through a TV show that's been on for so many years, that so many different generations watch, yes. that it kind of just like revitalizes that phrase yeah, and, and puts I, it to use again. And it's something that I believe would not have 
in because it just doesn't make sense. You know, don't have a cow is how you get to you know calm down, don't stress. Uh, it's a hard bridge to build. Right. Um, but you don't need the bridge because Bart Simpson took care of that for us. He said it so much and the Simpsons were so popular. You don't need to know where the phrase came from. You just know what it means because you heard it so many times. Right. That makes, that makes total sense. All right. So, Lise, what do you got for us? So, my once upon a phrase is cat got your tongue. Have you heard this one before? This one I have. And this is one that I, I, I've said, I've heard, I've had said to me. Not very often, because the cat doesn't often have my tongue. I don't think the cat's ever had me. Our time together, I don't think the cat's ever had your tongue. But Yeah, I don't, I can't think of a situation when the cat's had my tongue, but um, I'm sure it's happened. Can't Temporarily, maybe. Yeah. So what does it mean? Give us So give for us all more. of our listeners, uh, cat got your tongue means being at a loss for words. Essentially being speechless. So the origins of this were quite interesting. One of the origin stories uh, says it dates back to um, being on English sailing ships. So they have a utensil called a cattle tails, or more commonly referred to as a whip. And it was used on sailors if they misbehaved. So the theory is that if sailors were told a secret by a higher ranking officer, they were threatened with, the whip or the cattle tails if they were to tell said secret. Okay. So I looked more I looked farther into it and so if they were caught telling this secret, they could be flogged with the whip five to a hundred times. Jesus, a hundred times? Yeah, this would often leave severe bleeding. Lead to severe yeah. bleeding. <laughs> and in some cases the sailors would pass out due to the pain. Yeah, I could absolutely see this. So therefore, um, you wouldn't be talking anymore for sure. Yeah. No, I, I can't imagine being whipped a hundred times. Um, anybody could stay awake through that. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, one way to shut someone up. Yeah, I definitely thought this was an interesting theory as to where the phrase came from. Um, another theory is that it dates back to medieval times um, with witches and black cats. And it was thought that witches would steal your tongue. Okay. They're going to put cats in your belly and steal your tongue now? Yeah. And then they would feed it to the cats, possibly. Okay. It's, it's really concerning how much we've accredited to witches <laughs> in our society. Everything can be traced back to a witch somewhere in the 1600s. I think it's pretty cool, though. It's a, it's a common way to trace back a lot of things. Well, yeah, that we're just blaming everything on them. Well, they, they're not here to speak up for themselves, so. That's, that's true. So another one. Okay, hold on, hold on. Sounds like we've got a Bigfoot phrase here. <laughs> Lots of theories. Hard to prove, easy to disprove. Let's keep going. So this one's uh, on the same level of the, level as the one with the witches above. Um, Egyptians, as we all know, worshipped cats. So in ancient times in Egypt, the god Bastet, who was half human, half cat, which I'm just trying to picture in my head what that would look like. Oh, have you ever seen the Egyptian gods? I have not. They're all half human, half something. They've got a weird head. They've got wings. They've got a bird. Yeah, they're just Google a picture if unless you're driving right now. Um, but Google a picture of any Egyptian god. 
there always have some animals. Yeah, I'm just trying to like picture what it would look like, but I guess I'll have to, yeah. I'll have to Google these. Well, they guys. left you enough hieroglyphics. To, yeah, easy, easy to find. <laughs> so, Bastet was thought to be the goddess of motherhood and was always surrounded by kittens. Okay. So, being the goddess of motherhood, if you betrayed her in any sort of way, lied to her didn't follow her rules of any sort, she would cut off your tongue and feed it to her kittens. Thou hath no fury like a woman scorned. <laughs> okay. So, I think this goes back to what I was mentioning earlier, the mythology aspect of it. And we even brought this up in the last uh, episode five um, and how sometimes these stories change over time and they adapt themselves to their surroundings so uh, as, as a way for more people to understand them because they talk about more common things I feel like the Bastet you know origin is just that but by the time you get to you know the medieval time frame you have witches and you have spells and black cats and things like that so the same story is now just told about witches instead of Bastet because Oh, it's the 1600s. People don't believe in gods and goddesses and Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology anymore, right? Right, and then it goes from there. It goes, okay, well, now we talk about sailing on the seas. And now it kind of takes a different form to kind of appeal to the new group of people that yes. are in that generation. I think that's so awesome that some things don't fade away. Some things don't die. They just, they adapt. They evolve. The, the details around them change. Yeah. But the meaning doesn't, you know. Um, it's so interesting. Honestly, I would say that of all of these, I got to go with the sailors. The, the cattail, the whip. Um, I can just, it's a more literal sense. You right. Know, you, you talk out of turn, you spill the beans or whatever it is. Um, you get whipped and you stop talking, right? The cat, the tongue. Whereas the other ones, I just, I mean, you know how powerful folklores and myths and things can be. They go down into, they lead people to believe, I mean, they led people to believe stuff for thousands of years. Right, I mean, maybe there was some truth to that back then of some sort, but maybe, maybe not. And maybe that's why the whip was called the catatail. Something to do with that. I don't know. Um, oh, that's so good. I like that one way more than I thought I was going <laughs> to. All right, lead us home, Jason. All right, so our final once upon a phrase is straight from the horse's mouth. So, Lisa, what does it mean to get something straight from the horse's mouth? So, as far as I know, it means getting something straight from the source. Yes, that's it. Um, would you guess literal or figurative for this? I would have to say I think it's figurative. I don't know why you would be looking at a horse, horse's mouth for anything. Okay, so... Um, it actually is literal. This, this hmm. literally means to look inside a horse's mouth. Um, in what situation would that be acceptable behavior? I don't know. I just picture, like, horses on a pasture. Like, why would I be looking inside of a horse's mouth? Maybe if I was taking care of the horse? Maybe? Sure, sure. Um, but you're overlooking how um, degenerate gamblers <laughs> um, need to get the right bet in. So... Uh, this is actually about horse racing, betting, um, you know, at the track. 
when you were going to place a bet on a horse, you wanted to make sure that you had all the facts. You would actually go to the horse, and you would look in its mouth, and you could look at its teeth, and its gums, and its tongue, and you could tell how healthy it was, um, how um, how old it was. Okay. Yeah, and that would give you the information you needed to know, is this a young horse? Is it a healthy horse? Is this horse going to win this race? So let me ask you this. How often do you and your buddies go look inside the horse's mouth at Arlington Racetrack? So, well, first off, can't do it anymore because they closed Such it. Such a bummer. Yes. Um, and if, you know, you're from sh- the Chicagoland area, as, you know, some of our listeners are, um, you know, that might be the new home of the Bears, but we'll see. A different podcast for a different day, though. Um, get back to it. So when I did go to the Arlington Racetrack, I had a good friend of mine, and we would go. He's a much better uh, gambler than I am. Um, and in between races, we'd go out back because they have a little staircase in the back. And you can actually look at the horses. Um, okay. I've taken you back. You remember we go down. Yes, but you can't get that close to them. No, absolutely not. You can, like, see them walk around in a circle. Um, so they don't let us get that close to the horse. But you can still get things from looking at the horse. You know, you can, again, not inside of its mouth, but you can look at, you know, how the horse is acting. Is it being skittish? Is it being sluggish, you know, and people will not place a bet if they can't at least see the horse, you know, so that way you can get something from it. Um, But I don't know that they're going to let anybody stick their hand in a million dollar racehorse's mouth. Yeah, that's happening. No. But even outside of the actual betting, breeders, when you're buying a horse, trying to, you know, especially a thoroughbred, something like that, you want to make sure it's healthy. You want to make sure it's the right age. And you can tell all that from looking in the horse's mouth. And, yeah, you were exactly right at the beginning of this. You know, it's, I'm going straight to the source. I'm not going to listen to the jockey. I'm not going to listen to the trainer. I'm not going to listen to the owner. I'm going to listen to the horse. My wonder is just how it went from being such a particular phrase used um, at the racetrack to being used in a content like now, like modern time, you know, having a conversation with someone at the bar or at a store and mentioning you want to hear it from straight from the horse's mouth. How did it go from horse racing to just being used in any other any other place? So I think that it just has to do with kind of a lot of the other phrases we've talked about. If something's around long enough, it stretches beyond its original region. The, you know, Horse racing has been around since the 1700s, and there's even reports way back to the 1500s of horse racing. You know, it became popular in the 1700s, at least. So once something has been around that long, the people doing it, they don't just live at the track. They go home. They have lives and jobs and kids, and they talk to their buddies outside of the racetrack, but are still using maybe the racetrack lingo. I know I've with dealing with kids, and you know I don't know how often your fourth graders get into mischief, but my kids often. are a little bit, yeah. Well, my kids are a little bit older, and when something happens, you know, bullying or fights or things like that, gotta go straight to the horse's mouth. Gotta go to the source. Gotta talk to them and find out what happened. Um, and you know, it, it's not about you know horse racing anymore, but it's it's something that's grown beyond that. No, I definitely agree. I definitely have experienced that 
firsthand when I hear the recess tattling. I always have to go and hear it straight from the horse's mouth to find out what exactly happened instead of dealing with the he said, she said. But yeah, I definitely think, you know, that's definitely the case because even with the phrase kick out your tongue, if we use the origin story of the sailors on the ship, at one point the sailors had to go back home and they probably heard that phrase so often on the ship that they it became part of their daily vocabulary. Yeah, so when something may have occurred at home or in their hometown, they may have used that phrase and it kind of gained momentum and kind of spread from there. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said for a phrase that, and I don't know if this is more common than not, but an actual literal phrase, like straight from the horse's mouth, evolving into something so figurative, you couldn't even imagine that being real, you know, for it. And figurative is almost easier. You can get any phrase and, you know, it goes back to mythology or folklore. You know, it's figurative and you can, oh, it means that way, I think on our, our first episode, 1920 Slang, or episode two technically, we talked about that with things like, you know, the cat's pajamas and how kind of started off and then it just evolved into something so obscure. Right. Uh, this is extremely literal and evolved into something that, you know, figured it to the point where it's almost hard unless you understand, you know, horse racing, how to make that connection. I think just people just know what it means by now. They don't oh. definitely don't know the origin. I didn't know the origin. No. Well, and that's what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. All of the phrases that we were going to consider for this episode um, were so common. I don't, I mean, if you, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, cat got your tongue, don't have a cow, the monkey see, monkey do. I would venture that nobody listening right now hasn't heard of all of them. Maybe you don't say them, but you've heard of them. Right. This is probably the coolest part of this podcast is us taking phrases that you and I have used and still do use, and we don't know the origin of these until we look them up. And then we learn, like, this is really cool. Like, it has such cool background stories that I didn't think existed. Yeah, and I don't want, you know, this to be one of those situations where, you know, oh, well, I don't know anything about horse racing. There's absolutely nothing to do with horse racing because you use the phrase. So even without knowing anything about horse racing, you're using the phrase. Right. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was at, uh, we had the work meetings on Friday, and my principal actually quoted two things from this podcast. Mm. He doesn't listen. Um, but he said, you know, take it with a grain of salt. And he said, devil's advocate. And I have a, a, a coworker that's, he helps me a lot with ideas for the podcast. He's really into it. And when both those were said, he looked over at me, and we just shared a smile. Nice. Um, and it just, again, like we were saying, part of the reason that the podcast exists is because these phrases get said all the time. All the time. I mean, I work in a school. This was a meeting in a school, and these phrases are being thrown out. You know, so it's just, it's fun to be able to share this stuff with you guys. So, on that note, um, I want to, you know, remind you guys once again to follow us on Instagram at Once Upon a Phrase. Also, don't forget after you listen to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on our new content. And if you do, you'll get all of the information on the new episodes and the new content straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.